Well, good morning. It's good to be together, isn't it, again on another Sunday, the first day of the week, as we gather around God's Word, as we've already sung praises and had our focus uh, put on Him. And we continue to do that as we uh, come to this third part in our series, and we, as we look at church membership. And this morning we're going to look at what that uh, means for us, what it means Biblically, what does the Bible say about that? And then tonight, we're going to continue that as a, a second part of this uh, topic of membership as we look at our responsibilities as members. So I'd encourage you uh, to be here as members. I'm not trying to take you from Corrick, uh, but certainly if you're here, that's what we're going to be looking at. Let's pray, shall we? And then we'll get to it. Creator God, we come to you now, knowing you are one, the one who is everlasting, one who is not confined by time, <clears throat> who is before all things and in all things and above all things. <clears throat> and we come this morning to you. We raise, we have already raised our voices to you and in praise and in prayer. And now we tune our hearts to your word as we come to it, and we pray that you will speak to us through it. That as we look at this subject of membership, we will not think of this as something small, but as something huge, something that you have designed, something that you have ordained for us in the local church. So help us now in these moments, that we will be ready to receive and to learn this morning, and to relook and reevaluate what we think of of membership maybe this morning. So help us we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. How do you perceive membership? How do you, how do you perceive church membership? If I was to ask that question to you now and you gave me a response, what would you say? Membership, maybe you would say this. Membership means I belong. Uh, I have been interviewed by the leaders and I've given my testimony and they have affirmed my testimony. Uh, I've been voted in by existing members and now my name is written and it's included in that membership list and therefore I can serve in some capacity here in the Connie Baptist Church. Maybe that's what you would say. Well, although all of, all of those things there I've just said are okay and true regarding process, they are really only process. That's all they are. And if that's what membership amounts to in your mind, then you need to look again and look again at it with a new perspective. You see, we need to see this in a biblical perspective. You see, what I have just described in that process is basically a process of joining a football club or some state organization. That is the process you would go through to become part of any club or association. But membership into the local church, which is what we're looking at this morning, I want to make a distinction between that now. This is the local church, not the global church. It is much bigger than this. It is much bigger than just joining a club. And it is much more beautiful than that. And I think the only way for us to 
ever fully grasp church membership is if we grasp what the church, capital C church, really is. And that would take more than the session this morning, but I'm going to try in these first few minutes to put our mind to that, to try and open up this topic of church membership and its enormity. So I want to think about this word on the screen, imperium. It's not a word that you would use day day in, day out. You wouldn't probably say it if you went for coffee with somebody. You probably wouldn't use it in your day-to-day language. But this is a word which I want us to think about just for one moment. And this will make sense, hopefully, in a few moments. This word means supreme power or absolute dominion. It's a term used to identify socially where the buck stops. Who is the authority unto which all other authorities must answer? You know, who are those who can make heads roll without threat just because it's in their job description? Who has imperium? Well, let me tell you this. Caesar had imperium in Rome. He could literally make heads roll. He had imperium over Rome. The kings in the medieval times had imperium. And the state, the government, have imperium. There is no higher power than the state. That's where the buck stops. If you want to start a school, if you want to start a charity, if you, if you want to start a business, you need their permission. They exist, or these things, schools and charities and organizations, exist because of the state. Well, here's the question. What about the church? Does the church exist because of the approval of the state? No. It doesn't, doesn't exist because of the approval of the state. Therefore, who has imperium over the church? Jesus. Christ has imperium over the church. You see... The church exists because of Christ. It exists because of the authorization of Jesus. And Jesus is the one where the buck ultimately stops, actually even over the state. And this reality that Jesus has imperium over the church should elevate our view and the seriousness of the church and therefore our membership of it. You see where I'm going with this? This is not a club this is not an organization, a charity organization. This is a, a, a church which is in existence because of Jesus, because of God's own Son and His command and His ordination over what we know of as the church. It's serious. We need to think of the church as an embassy, not a club. What do I say? What do I say that? We need to think of the church as an embassy, not a club. Well, I take this idea from Jonathan Lehman in his book on membership, and I encourage you to go and read that. And he uses this idea, idea of embassy and, and, and church. And this is really helpful. Because what I mean by the church, thinking of a church as an embassy rather than a club, is, well, we need to think of what an embassy 
does. What is the role of an embassy? What do we know of, uh, of an embassy in each country? Well, for those who are in a foreign land, it is a representation of their home nation in a host nation. It is a, is a representation of a, a home nation in a host nation. So if we had the British embassy in another country, it would represent our home nation in that host nation. It's where we go to, to confirm our true citizenship when we are in a foreign place. So it is with the church. So it is with the capital C church. Those who are members of the church. The local church and her members are a powerful expression of a kingdom to come. Where all the saints will be gathered around Christ who has in Imperium. And that local church sits very much as a foreigner in this world. There's no doubt about that. We as the church and members of it, those who are in the body of Christ, as we'll look at just in a moment, we are foreigners in this place, or we should feel like it. We should look forward to a day where we are with the global church, with Christ in heaven. But we are a representation of that in this nation. So as we look at scripture together now, may what we see next elevate our view and enlarge our hearts as we consider the beauty of the church. And I want to show you four biblical metaphors for church membership. So first of all, the metaphor of the body. 1 Corinthians 12 and 12. We're going to turn a little bit this morning to get this picture. And these are only four metaphors. There are more. This is the first one, the body, 1 Corinthians 12 and 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. Let me read that again. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of one body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. <clears throat> you see, the original meaning of the word member contains the imagery of the body. It contains the imagery of the body. So the question uh, this imagery raises for the local church that Paul is describing are who is part of this body? Who is the right hand? Who is the left hand? Who is the left foot? Who is the right foot? Who's the eye and who's the ear? Remember, this is a metaphor. But those are the questions that we should be asking. Well, firstly, it's important that every part of the body is identifiable. Every part of the body is identifiable. Each part of the body must not only be aware of its own function and responsibility, but it must also be aware of who makes up the other parts of the body. Why? Why would we need to know not just what our role is, but what everybody else's role is, and that what makes up the body of believers in the local church? Why would we need to do that? Because, you see, the body functions together. It functions together. And each part looks out 
for the other because if one part starts to suffer or stops functioning for whatever reason, the rest of the body will be affected. Think of your own body for one moment. Look at verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 12. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. How wonderful is that verse there when we think about church membership. So, how am I to know if I'm part of the body or not? How are we in this church this morning, because there are members and non-members here, how are we supposed to distinguish between who is, and I'm thinking of us as elders, how are we supposed to distinguish who here is part of that body and who is not? Membership. Those who are members of this church, you are part of this body. And you function in your own way, but you function with everybody else. And when you suffer, they suffer. And when they suffer, you suffer. And when they rejoice, you rejoice. And this wonderful picture of what church membership is begins to show itself in the metaphor of the body. Well, let's carry on, shall we? Let's look at the metaphor of family. 1 Timothy 3. Let's turn there. 1 Timothy 3 and 15. One Timothy three and fifteen. Says this. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of truth. Turn over to 1 Peter 4 and 17. 1 Peter 4 and 17. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us... What will the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? You see the word household twice, don't you, in these verses. You see them there very clearly. Well, that word household can be translated into the word family. Family. And this being the case, we can ask the question, what is the family made up of? Okay, let's think about this. What is a family, your family, made up of? Members. You have multiple members in your family, sons and daughters, mums and dads, grandparents, aunties and uncles, so on. You have members of a family. And this being the case, we can ask, uh, we, can, we can think about this in, in a different way. When we think of this being a family of members, we think of the fact that they're not just simply names on a piece of paper, are they? You don't come out and say, well, this is my family and I just have them listed here and I'm not even associated with them. But actually, they're more than a piece of paper stored in a file somewhere. They are active, they are living, they are working members of that family. 
They're living and breathing. They're not just a note on a piece of paper at some point, at some stage. They are living and working parts of the family. But as we think of family and family in terms of members in this church, uh, I want to draw a few observations here, just a few, just to help us as we think about this. The first one is this. Family is a network of relationships and commitments. Family is a a network of relationships and commitments to one another. Secondly, family members are bound to one another with a strong cord. Whether you like it or not. That's what it is. They share life together. They eat, they celebrate, they mourn, they rejoice, they make decisions. And when they part, they long to be together. They see each other as brother or sister. And as we evaluate all of these things and more, we see the commitment which, we, which weaves itself through. That membership is not a club or a tick box exercise, but it is a way of life. And that is, for me, when I think about it and when I study this week and think about this, if, is membership really a way of life for me? Is church membership a way of life for you? Does this church and your membership to it and to the body of it, does it dictate your decisions and your priorities? Do you begin a week thinking about the body of believers in the church and how your week looks being part of that? Well, let me read a quote from Sam Amadi. Now, he's a senior editor of Nine Marks and a member of Capitol Hill Baptist Church. And he says this, New Testament metaphors for the church don't just mandate that we join a church. They shape our character and our values. They don't just tell us what to do. They tell us who we are. This is what shapes us. This is what molds us. This is how we know who we are. This is how we know what we do. Thirdly, the metaphor of the temple is used. Go back to 1 Corinthians 3. One Corinthians three, sixteen and seventeen. <clears throat> it says this Do you not know that you are God's temple? This is Paul talking to the church in uh, Corinthians in, in Corinthia. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy. And you are the temple. Paul calls the church the temple of God. You see, in 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5, Peter calls Christians living stones. And he says that those living stones build a spiritual house. That's a wonderful metaphor as well. We could go there. We're not going to look at that this morning. But what we see here is that 
Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament. We know that. And his promise to the church, to his church, was the pouring out of the Spirit into it. So as we wait for the return of Christ, the local congregation is composed of believers, each mortared together in a single temple. And therefore, in that temple, that membership of the church, the living stones, in that temple dwells God, the Holy Spirit. Not in this building, not in that wall, these walls, these four walls which are built of bricks and mortar. No, no, no. Those of you who are sitting in these pews, who are members of this church, are living stones, and we are built on top of one another. We are built together by mortar, and in that building, in that body, dwells the Spirit of God. It is not something you come in here on a Sunday morning and you meet God here in these four walls. Let me tell you, he is not confined by these four walls here. He is in us, by his spirit, those who believe. And we, the church here, he dwells in us as a body of believers. That is where he has promised to dwell because we are built together and we are called his temple. Why? Why that way? Why does he design it that way? Why has he ordained it that way? So that we together may work for common good, for his glory, and so we may express radiantly something of Christ's coming kingdom. That's why he's done it the way he's done it. And fourthly, he uses the metaphor of the flock. The flock. The shepherd and his sheep. Turn to Acts 20. Acts 20 and 28. Acts 20 and 28. says this, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to the care, to care, sorry, for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. That's a very serious verse for us as elders. For those who are thinking of going into the ministry, that is a very serious verse. Verse, we have care over you as the flock because you have been bought with God's son's blood. But this verse does not say elders cannot care for unbelievers or those who are not yet members, but it does make clear that their first responsibility is a particular flock. It's a particular flock. The flock in which the Holy Spirit has made them overseers. Well, the question we need to ask is this. How are they to know who the flock is? Who are we as elders responsible for? For whom will I, and will we as eldership, one day give an account to God? Well, the way Peter speaks to the elders in 1 Peter 5, 2 and 3 is helpful on this point. You don't need to turn there. I'm just going to read these verses and I want you to listen to this. 
This is what Peter says. He said, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Another serious verse for the leadership of the church and churches. See, we as elders have, responsible, we have a responsibility to shepherd those among us, those in our charge. Well, who are they? They're the members. Members of the church. You might say, no, it's not. It's just those who attend the church. We are members then together as we approach the church, as we come in on a Sunday morning, we sit here, we're just all members of this church. And that's what he's talking about. No, I don't think so. Because if that was the case, at what, point as, at what point are we as elders responsible for those who attend the church? As soon as they arrive, maybe you're here for the first time this morning, am I immediately responsible for you and your walk? Uh, maybe when you've been here two or three months? Or when they submit themselves to the leading and the direction of the elders? In other words, when they become a member? It just doesn't work any other way. It's impossible for us to lead. Uh, impossible for us to have responsibility on those who are outside of the membership. And therefore those who are inside the membership have special care from us as elders. There are many in the so-called church who do not want to be shepherded. Who do not want to submit to the leaders. You see, we live in a non-committal age. We really, really do. We live in a non-committal age where people just don't want long-term commitment or to be under authority or to be submissive in some way. That's just not what they want. That's just not who they are. You see, these lone ranger Christians are a contradiction because becoming a Christian means being united in Christ and to Christ and union with Christ expresses itself in the union with the local body of believers of which he is the head. Therefore, everybody should, by a covenant commitment of some kind, put their name on the line saying, I'm here. And this is where I will serve him, God. These are my people. They make up the rest of my body. I need them, and they need me. I'm I'm committed to them as they're committed to me. And most of all, I am committed to Christ as part of his body in this place. That should be our mindset. Those who are members currently, you need to be shifting to that mindset. Those who are thinking of membership and should be members. Those who have been here for years and just have been Christians and sitting in pews and not fully committing themselves to this church. That is what we should be thinking of. And seeing the beauty of that and the benefits of being part of this body of believers in this place. So as we close, let me ask uh, the question, why would you not be a member? Why would you not be a member? Well, here's six things. Maybe you've been hurt before and had a bad experience in previous churches. And people have been and do get hurt in churches, unfortunately. But that's the world we live in. But maybe you've been hurt and you've been put off. You say, I don't want to be a member of that church anymore. I don't want to 
nail my colours to the mast or put my name on the line or anything like that, I'm happy. Perhaps up until now, you've not fully known the meaning of membership. Number three, like baptism, perhaps so much time has gone on. You've been attending here for decades. You've grown up in the church and becoming a member would now seem a really strange thing to do because everybody thought you were. Well, may I suggest it's not as strange as continuing to attach yourself to a body without becoming part of it. That's, that's weird. That's like having a growth on your arm. And you just know it's not part of the body. It shouldn't be there. But it continually tries to attach itself, but being alien to the body itself. Fourthly, it is also possible that there are people who are not members because they just can't be bothered. They're not persuaded about the necessity of the local church membership and they don't get around to it. It's not a priority to them. Fifthly, there are another, there's another attitude towards membership which I can guess we could call defiance. We looked at that when we looked at baptism as well. They refuse to join the local church for many reasons. They're too busy in their secular lives. Just too busy. Just too busy. An unwillingness to commit themselves fully to the work of God in the local church. An unwillingness to permit themselves to be held accountable. They'd rather remain on the periphery where there's no hassle. That's an easy place to sit. On the fringes of this church. They can just walk in. And they can just walk out. And they can just walk away when things don't go their way. You know, when things just don't go the way they want it to go. They just get out. Lastly, I suppose some of you are not members because you haven't professed Christ. And rightly so that you're not a member. Because it's for the believer. You do not have a right to come forward for membership. You couldn't be a member of this local church because you're not part of the global church. Which you need to be a member of before you do that. I just want to read a verse to you. Acts 26 and 42. You don't need to turn there but it says this. Acts 22 and 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is the members of the church in the the New Testament. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. To the breaking of bread. And to prayer. May God speak into your life as you need to be spoken to. And may you respond to his calling upon your life. And may may we be those who devote ourselves to Christ's teaching. To the fellowship here, the body of believers. To the breaking of bread, which we will spend time around in a moment. And to prayer as we meet. As we pray here and as we pray in the middle of the week. May we be those who devote ourselves to it. And maybe those who are not members here this morning have never seen membership or never thought about membership like this before. Please consider this very seriously for yourselves. We would love to invite you to be part of this body of believers here. Because that is what you were 
called to. That is the way Christ designed it. That is what he purposed for us. That it may shape our lives. That it may be part and an integral part of our life. Our day to day life. And that we may look after one another. As we look at tonight. Love one another. Support one another. And we as elders may know that you are part of the flock here. You're not sitting on the periphery. But you are there under our care. And we're able to look after you in that way. It's a very special thing. Please consider it. Talk to one of us, elders. And we'd love to invite you in to the membership of this body in this place. Let's sing together, shall we? As we reflect and as we respond to this as well. Let's sing this older hymn, a great hymn. Church is one foundation. Words will be on the screen. We're going to stand and sing. Simon's going to lead us here. Church is one foundation. It's Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water, water and the word. Let's stand.